Hi guys, it's Susie with another episode of You Ask and We Answer, all things related to driving and occupational therapy. Today's question comes from a wonderful OT um, who writes in via email. The title of her email is Higher Level Cognition. So the email reads, Hi Susie, I hope all is well with you. Thank you so much. I hope things are well with you as well. I wanted to reach out to you regarding a case that we just discussed in rounds today to get your insight. This patient is one that I had discharged a few weeks ago. Um, has met all of his goals. His primary goal was to return to driving, and he just had an appointment with his doctor today to further discuss, uh, to further that discussion. With me in OT, he passed all portions of the driving screen with flying colors. I'm going to read these scores, but before I do, I want to caution, you know, and this might be just the words that we're using in the email, but I caution and encourage all OTs in general practice not to use pass or fail, especially when we come to driving. When we're doing these tests and measures, what we're performing is a driving risk assessment. And rather than seeing if someone can pass or fail driving, what we're doing is we're helping to determine their level of risk. We're applying the OT drive model with uh, Alenshul Davis and Ann Dickerson. I believe that was 2015 or 2016, their model, the OT drive, to different levels and categorize people into high risk, moderate risk or risk and potential, and then low risk. Okay, so we want to avoid talking about driving in terms of pass or fail, especially if we haven't seen the task of driving. So that really becomes the realm of the specialist. Okay, so back to this driving risk assessment. The OT did some wonderful tests. Um, and oh, just before I go back to those tests, if you would like more information on a driving risk assessment, we've got a variety of resources for that on our website, adaptivemobility.com. In addition, you can learn and use and gain your free copy of the generalist resource to integrate driving or the grid, which is a, a chart that helps you interpret a range of different tests and measures to come up if somebody's in the low, um, middle or high risk category when it comes to driving risk. Okay, so back to these tests and measures. This OT has completed the brief cognitive assessment test and the individual scored 46 out of 50. The missing points is not noted. On the motor-free visual perceptual test, the individual scored 38 out of 38 with a 2.2 processing speed. The version of MVTT, the MVPT is not noted. I'm going to guess because the response time is included, it might be version three. Trails making test part B was one minute and 20 seconds. No errors were noted. Um, there is no time for trails making test part A. Remember when you're doing trails making tests, it's important to do the practice and then the test, and you should always do test A and test B, uh, or test A before you proceed to test B. And then break reaction time is, it uh, looks like the average was 0.56 seconds. Um, very good. Okay, so in rounds today, his speech and physical therapist mentioned they noticed very high level difficulties that he was having, such as with some recall and impulsivity. And they reached out to the doctor to suggest that he needs additional testing before driving based on his performance on all the components of the clinical driving screen or what I would encourage you to call a driving risk assessment. And my observations in therapy, awesome, always very important to include that as well, especially ADL and IDL observations. I do not necessarily agree with that judgment. I'd love to pick your brain about how you'd address this case after the other therapy his chances of returning to drive despite his almost perfect scores on the screen. Oh, okay, interesting. 
So it sounds like this OT really like they're passing some judgment maybe on this individual. Um, and then she goes on to ask, is there another component of assessing cognition that would be appropriate to add to the clinical or the driving risk assessment in cases like this? It's definitely hard to work through the very nuances, areas of these high-level patients' cognition. I'd love to know how this may look for patients hoping to return to driving. Okay, really, really great, great email. I love this, and thank you so much for emailing in. So I think it's very interesting, right? Because what you're having here is you're, uh, the OT's completed different tests and measures. The person has generally done very well. I would be curious to know what items were missed on the brief cognitive assessment test, even though 46 out of 50 is a completely normal score, it's considered intact. Um, what items were missed and were there any patterns there? In addition, it sounds like we're getting subjective speech therapy and from physical therapy. Now, I would question whether or not speech therapy has done additional assessments of their own. What were those assessments and what are those assessments showing? Are they looking at areas that we didn't necessarily measure on the OT tests? Okay. In addition, are we talking about comparing engagement and occupation, you know, following exercise programs or doing something more functional versus paper and pencil testing? We have to definitely keep in mind that for some individuals, they're going to be stellar on paper and pencil tests, while others are not, right? Um, I would be curious to understand a little bit more about kind of what the specific observations were from physical and speech therapy to help um, understand their recommendation as to why they feel like this person is having a higher level cognitive change. With that being said, it's difficult for me to weigh in on additional assessments and tests without knowing this individual's medical condition, okay? So are we talking about changes that are related to somebody who's had a head injury, who may be experiencing additional bleeding of some time, kind? Are we talking about an individual who's had a stroke? Are we talking about an individual who's had a seizure, had a concussion? I mean, I guess my head's going to the brain injury because we are talking about higher levels of cognition, right? So what specifically is leading the speech and physical therapist to say this? Um, you know, and keeping an open mind and remembering we don't want to discount what they're seeing because their observations are valuable, but help get some objective examples or some not, uh, observations that we can then say, yes, this is that, or no, this is that. And then the other thing is when we're talking about higher level cognitive changes, we have to remember that there's not always going to be tests and measures that are sensitive to these different areas. I think back to a good friend of mine, he's 39 and he had a stroke. It was related to atrial fibrillation. He was experiencing higher level cognitive changes as well. And it was really affecting his ability to do higher level math problems. Okay. Because of his working memory changes, you know, so there can be different levels of impact. And I'm just curious a little bit more where it is. And I feel like asking some more questions about what is specifically leading speech therapy and physical therapy to feel this way, as well as understanding the medical diagnosis would be helpful in this situation. Now, with that being said, um, it sounds like this individual really believes that this patient has potential to return to driving. Well, that's great. But now the doctor has a decision because what the OT is saying is this individual has low risk, 
The speech and physical therapy aren't necessarily saying that the risk is high, but they're saying that they have levels of concern. So in this situation, my recommendation would be then to consider, is there a need for a comprehensive driving evaluation with a specialist? And to consider the pros and cons here, or is there something that we need to revisit? You know, like one of the things I, I would even question is, was speech therapy and physical therapy making these comments, you know, two to three weeks after the OT's done their assessment? And has there been some kind of medical change? I don't think that speech and physical therapy are necessarily preventing this individual from returning to driving, um, but I it sounds like they're voicing their safety concerns so that we can continue to dig a little bit deeper and understand somebody a little bit further. We have to remember that especially as occupational therapy practitioners, we are based in the science and engagement of occupation. And so while we are doing these different tests and measures, you're only giving us indicators as to how somebody may perform in the vehicle. On-road performance is, you know, a difficult thing. And so there will be higher level of cognitive changes, impulsivity or focus that will come out only when the individual is engaged in a harder task, right? And maybe what speech and physical therapy are seeing are difficulties when the person is engaged in harder activities. Is that when that's coming out? Is that what they're observing? Those are the questions I would go back and ask and dive a little bit deeper on to really try and gain a better understanding. And remember that the clinical, uh, you know, the clinical tests and measures are really just one piece of this puzzle and that referring somebody for considering an on-road assessment with a driving specialist isn't necessarily a negative thing. It can be a very positive thing to ensure that somebody has fully recovered and to ensure that, ensure that there's no questions um, despite you know, concerns and considerations from the team. So I would try and kind of look at it from a whole picture. And you know, I think even being a driving specialist, I try and remember that I'm just one piece of the puzzle and that as a medical team, we want to collaborate and work together and go from there. My only other thought would be maybe as an OT, if I had not already done so, I would push for him to engage in some really hard IADLs with me, making a complicated meal, you know, a couple scrambled eggs with cheese and mushrooms and sausage toast on the side with butter and jelly and orange juice and a coffee, right? Something that required multiple um, smaller tasks to complete, right? Um, having him do maybe the weekly calendar planning activity, right? Is there something we can do to look at this higher level cognition and push it just a little bit further as well? I hope this gives you a few ideas. Um, you know, I think that there's some important resources we highlighted that could be helpful in this case. So remembering that there is the OT drive model that should be considered that was published by Aileen Shull Davis and Ann Dickerson. Um, remembering that as OTs in general practice, our role is to look at and complete a driving risk assessment and not to say if someone's passed or failed, but talk about level of risk, if it's low, if there is risk or if it's high. And then we have things like the generalist resource to integrate driving to help guide us in our practice. And that is a free resource that is available on adaptivemobility.thinkific.com. As always, Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you so much for your questions. I really value um, that you spent the time and energy to send something to me to help with. I hope that this information is helpful to you. And I'm sorry if there's been a little delay in response as well. 
please keep your questions coming my direction. You can send them to me by email, text, Facebook, uh, snail mail, whatever works best for you. I'm happy to kind of keep providing you with information and advice to help guide you in your clinical practice. Um, what we do as occupational therapists and occupational therapy practitioners is important. When we talk about driving, we truly change lives. And so thank you for what you do. Thank you for your questions. And if I can be of help, please let me know. All right, guys, have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.